0: You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at thepreppypodcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson, on Instagram. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. Today, I'm excited to interview Heather of Meanwhile Back at the Farm, and if you love handbags and love and made-in-the-USA products, then you definitely want to listen to this episode. I have one of their handbags, and I... Think it's such a well crafted piece. Um, And we talk more about that in this episode about how Heather, um, what her background is, how she sources her materials, and the importance of them being made um, right in their hometown. So let's get into the episode. All right. So, why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you live, and what you do? Okay. Um, My name is Heather Harris,
1: and I live in Lynchburg, Virginia. And what I do is um, I make bags. We um, own a, a bag factory here in the city. And it's something that we started a few years ago. And we make handmade bags out of the leather and wax
0: canvas. And they are beautifully made. I have um, one of your navy uh, bags from a few years ago, and it's so pretty. And I love how you guys make everything right there. So we're going to get you know more into the business in a little bit. But I always like to start more towards the beginning. Um, so did you grow up in the same area? Where did you grow up? And sort of what was your childhood like? Were you someone that was entrepreneurial or um, crafty? Tell me a little bit about young Heather.
1: Okay, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, um, and I am the youngest of six. I have four older wonderful brothers, and one older sister, and so um, we grew up on a an old farm. And at a very young age, uh, my mother started to um, bake bread, and so my sister and I would come home from school to like really warm bread, and we would have to. Um, package it up and she sent us to calligraphy classes. And I'm telling you all this because of all the details. Um, And we would have to learn how to write these names of like whole wheat bread, three seed bread and calligraphy on these, on these stickers. And then we'd have to bow the ends and we would go to four different farmer's markets. We lived about an hour and a half out of DC. So we did some really big uh, farmer's markets and we did about four a week. And my mother baked I just don't even remember anywhere from three to 500 loaves of bread a week. Wow. Um, and so I grew up with her doing the hustle and, um, and it's it kind of where it kind of started like my love for sewing and, and that was um, my, I wanted to go to horse camp. I wanted to take riding lessons and I, we didn't have the money for it. And my mother was like, um, I think you can figure this out. Literally was like, I'll teach you how to sew. You know, you can come to the farmers markets and sell something. And I was like, okay. So she taught me how to sew, and I sewed scrunchies. Every single color that Joanne sold, I made it into a scrunchie. Um, I also made little duffel bags, and I had sold those. I sold these little pouches. Um, And then when I started going to horse riding lessons at the local school, I made these braiding kits that you would wrap around in your waist and you could put your, like your little comb. And, you know, if you're into horses, you might know what that means. Like your, like your thread and all your needles and your pull through. And so I was like nine, 10 years old and I was paying for my own horse camp and my own Ryan lessons. So the hustle was at a very young age. So
0: I love that, um, and it sounds like your mom, you know, obviously was entrepreneurial as well. Then to to be baking this bread and selling at farmers markets, um, and then instilling that in you as well.
1: Yes, and she and she did that, and my dad did too. Um, I was the youngest of six, and I like, you know, I loved it. You know, they all looked after me. Um, I love to, and my dad was into real estate. So I'd constantly hear him on his little bag phone. And I would be like the one in the passenger seat, writing down on his legal pad, like what the next steps were. He'd tell me to write down notes. And like, I was like that person. So like, he's a hustler too. And I, you know, just listening to that and being
0: around it, I think is
1: kind of where I learned
0: a lot. Wow, that sounds like you had some great um, people to look up to then in your entrepreneurial endeavors. So now, growing up, I grew up on a farm um, in Pennsylvania. Then when it came time for college, where and what did you end up studying if you um, ended up going that track?
1: I did. I actually applied to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, and I wanted to go up there I got in and then I realized real quickly like I had to make a decision because I was putting myself through school like do I go that way or do I go and get like a degree just I was just nervous about the art degree and didn't know I actually am not a good drawler at all it's interesting I have a older sister and we're less than two years apart and if you put the two of us together we make the perfect person like she plays the piano I don't play the piano I can technically draw and make anything from curtains to a bag she can paint and draw anything but I can't do that so I was so nervous about going to art school and it just being a huge debt for me um I ended up at the University of New Hampshire and I absolutely loved it I love New England um So that was perfect for me. I studied, has nothing to do with handbags or anything, but I studied, um, government and I ended up switching my major to animal science. And so I graduated with a business minor and a government minor. Um, and my focus was on equine. So I'm a big horse person still.
0: Oh, interesting. I love that. I, um, had a horse growing up. I, it's been many years since I rode, but growing up, I had a horse and rode, um, so I can understand the love for it
1: yeah so I you know I was in New England and I graduated Um, I used to still sew a lot Um, when I was younger my mother would um, and this is like in high school you know you have proms and you have formals that you want to go to and even like my graduation dress she was so good at encouraging me to make it so because i could think of stuff draw it out kind of draw it out you know but i could like really put it together even without patterns and so um princess die wore a dress to one of her obviously black tie events it was beautiful and my mother put me in contact with a lady um who was local, we had an old suit factory in our town and it had shut down and she knew one of the sewers. And so she said, you know, I think you should go over there and learn. And this lady taught me how to sew such fine fabrics, silks, how to turn edges, how you finish things all about the bias, you know, every the drape, everything. It was such a great experience. And so my mother would always she said, you know, I'll buy you the fabric. I won't buy you the dress. And so okay, that was a good experience for me. And she really yeah. supported that.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, that's great insight. I have um, a degree in fashion merchandising. But part of that was we had to learn how to sew everything, how to make flat pattern, like everything. And back then I was like, I'm not going to do anything with this because I don't want to be a fashion designer like I always knew I wanted to be in PR but work more with fashion related brands Um, but Mm -hmm. looking back it was so helpful for me to know how garments were made like the work that goes into them and the time and all all the steps along the way so I'm sure now even with you with your own um, company back then you might have it might have been more of a pain or more of a a hobby to learn but now I bet it's so valuable uh, with your business
1: yeah, I mean, you learn, like, I even think back, like, to when my mother was so particular about us wrapping her bread, she always, like, ordered in this special poly bags, they had to be thicker, like, our calligraphy had to be right on, our sticker had to be in a certain spot, and I didn't realize that these were all, like, stepping stones in little, kind of, like, um, pointers, even, like, sewing these fine fabrics, like like, so that I would know what, like... Is ex- not as expected, but what quality looks like, what the details look like, you know? Um, and then learning how to drape fabric and cut fabric and make patterns. So it was all just like stepping stones, I think, for me. Um,
0: exactly. So then so- after um, you studied in New Hampshire, then what was your first career? What did you do with that?
1: So literally I um, graduated and I met a designer who was out of Boston and she was, um, a small company. I think there's like eight employees and we did belts and bags. And this is like back in 2003. And so she, um, hired me on to become like a technical designer. So I was the only one in the company that, that could really actually so, so. And so I became like the liaison from the designer to the factory, Um, We had a factory up in Maine, in Portland, and then we had one or two bag factories down in New York City that we used. So I was the person who would like she would come up with it or Natalie would with like what we were doing or the colors. And then I was the person that actually had to make it work. So we did a lot of belts. We sold to four hundred stores back then. Um, we were in a showroom. It was such a good experience because that's when wholesale, like we had four hundred brick and mortar stores. Like that's what we did. It wasn't like the online or Instagram. It was, it was literally like we shipped. We had thirteen drops. We shipped Saks. We shipped Neiman's. Bergdorf's. We shipped all the boutiques all over the country. So wow, that's that was amazing. my and first, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I ran the production of it, too. And that was good because that taught me so much um, of working um, with, you know, other countries. We made all of our ribbon out of France um, and just working with other uh, uh, other suppliers.
0: Definitely. And probably a lot of sourcing, too, then with that. Oh, yeah. Yes. So... Now, did you do anything between then and when you started your own business um, or from there, did you start your own business? Tell me about sort of the journey leading up to Meanwhile Back on the Farm.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, and I'll try to keep this short, but it is a little bit of a story. So um, I worked in Boston and then from there I went to another company in New York City and um I worked for an accessories company there. We still did belt bags. We did hair accessories um, and that was wonderful. I spent a lot of time in the garment district. I spent a lot of time at the factories and I my passion is working and sitting with like the pattern makers and actually watching them, learning from them. Like I would spend days there. Um, so I lived in New York for a while and then, um, a company out of Virginia reached out to me and they wanted me to move to Lynchburg, Virginia. They have a big leather company here and they offered me my own division underneath of their head company, um, to start a men's bag company for them. And I, at first was like, Oh, no way. Like I'm not going to Virginia. No. I'm in New York city. And the second reason was like men's bags. No, 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 that's not my background.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then I changed my mind and I ended up in Virginia. Um, and in what I did, this is like 2006 to 2012 is I launched this men's bag company for them. And so the larger company that Owned it. Um, we imported, exported, and designed leathers for the furniture industry. So anybody from Pottery Barn to Restoration oh. Hardware to Ralph Lauren—if you sat on it at a hotel at the W Hotel—that it, it came from us. Holly Hunt, you know all these interior like Kelly Wurstler, We sold leather and made leather for them, and so we sounds very interesting, but it's in Virginia and they house over two or three million square feet. So I literally had an office there, design leathers for them. I would go to Italy and work on leathers. And then I'd fly to the factory, which was in the Dominican Republic and make the actual bags, have them made and then push them out to the market. So oh I goodness. did that for a while. Yeah, so that was a great experience. It was like having my own company, but underneath like a larger company. And what was so wonderful is that my my experience like was working then with tanneries. Like there's a lot of terms that are used. There's pull-up, there's waxes, there's pebbly. There, you know. So like we would get in a leather and I'd be like, oh, I need a little more wax in this. Can you put it back in the drum? And so I worked a lot with that. I worked, I worked with um, – like the president of our company and the VP and they were experts in their field. And then they would bring me along because I was running like their bag department and I would put those leathers into my bags or vice versa. So if we specced a leather in the bags, so sometimes like Wesley Hall or, or Hancock and more, like they would look at those leathers and see what I was doing. And then we'd all feed off each other. So that's kind of where my leather background is. I spent a lot of time in those tanneries and working with them. Um, so I'm in, yeah, um, I love leather. I mean, if you want to talk leather all day, I will talk (laughs) leather all day with you. (laughs) I love it. I mean, it's interesting because people come into our shop now and they're like, oh, it smells so good. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could still smell it. I mean, I do sometimes, but I'm so used to it. It has, I didn't realize leather was going to be literally my life. (laughs) Um, so I'm over at more. Uh, so I'm over at my job, and I meet Bobby, who is now my husband. And it turns out that he um, he grew up uh, manufacturing furniture, and never did I think that we would ever be in business together. Um, but we got married, and he came home one day, and he said, "I think I was six months pregnant with Lee," and he said. I want to go to boat design school. And I looked at him and I was like, what? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm about to have a baby. Like my career is probably going to slow down. Like, no, 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 no. You need to stay at work. And he worked for his family and he loved it. And he said, no, I think I want to change it up. Well, so we got that out of his head. So now we're like both working. I have Lee and my daughter has decided that my career is going to really come to a halt because she will not take a bottle. Like, literally, we had her just three specialists. Like, I couldn't go on my Italy trip. I couldn't go to the factory. Like, I couldn't do anything. I, I would take her on every photo shoot, every catalog shoot, wrap her around my body, and off we go because I couldn't leave her because she wouldn't eat. Like, she only wanted to nurse. So then um, she wasn't a large baby. Like, we tried, like, oh, like, she'll eat if you leave her for a few hours. And my doctor was like, you can't do that again. I was like, okay. So... Um, needless to say, I took a step down and I started to work from home. And a few months later, my husband comes home from work and he said, um, I think we're going to, I think we should go to your mom's house. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, life's too short. He's like, I can swing a hammer. I used to do construction in Charleston. Like I can build anything. Like we're going to be fine. And I was like, no, Bobby, I just like took a huge pay cut. Like I'm working from home. Like we have a baby. Like, no, 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 no. no. And he was like, no, no, I think, I think we should do this. And I was like, well, what? And he's like, no, let's go up to your mom's farm. It needs a lot of help. It's a beautiful, historic farm up in Pennsylvania. It's like a whiskey distillery. It's got eight or nine outbuilding mean, it's gorgeous slate roofs I'm telling you all this because it all goes with the story and so literally we packed up and we moved up to my mom's farm and I'll never forget when we sat down to do our taxes with our accountant and he was like what are y'all doing are y'all trust fund kids and we're like no (laughs) not at all like and he's like y'all just I was like I don't know he's in charge like I'm I'm over here trying to feed a baby like I can't (laughs) So um, we moved up there and there's a cottage on the farm and we lived in the cottage and Bobby did construction. And and at that time I started getting people. Um, I had a few, a few companies that had reached out to me and they, in the men's industry and like one, a few of them like needed a collection. So I would design their collection for the fall. And then I would be like the liaison to the factories. I would spec all the fabric, spec the leather, spec zippers, all that stuff. And I would take it all the way to market. And if they needed me to show up, you know, in New York at the men's market, I would, and I would help them sell it in bookstores and all that. So it was nice. It still kept my hand in the business, but I wasn't like in charge of anything, which was a nice break for me. So um, I did that for two or three years, but let me back up. The week or two after we moved up to my mom's, it was January 2013. I literally am like, like, you know, twiddling my thumbs going, what am I doing? Like I have a baby. <laughs> um, I don't have a career. Like I had just left my job and they, and someone had said out in the warehouse was like, are you going to do your own thing? And I was like, I will never start my own company. And an old friend of mine from Boston reached out to me and she said, Heather, you should start a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Why? And she was like, oh, because you live on a farm, you ride horses, like, I don't know, you're just, you got stuff that you're doing, like, you should write about it. And I was like, okay. So she hooked me up with this class and I paid my $150. I never wrote anything. I never even logged in. I don't even know when it was, how it was. All I knew is I went on to GoDaddy. And bought a name for my podcast. That was the only check mark I did, and it was called "Meanwhile, Back on the Farm." So, I now own this thing out on on the web. It has a little picture on it, and that's it. But I never wrote anything. So, let's say one year, two years goes by, and at the University of New Hampshire, I ran the gardens up there for their cafeterias. Oh. So I um, would put so the food would go back into the cafeteria. It was they were all organic and i had had 120 people that were members of it and so they would all volunteer and so i said to bobby i was like bobby i was like can we get a greenhouse like a 72 foot greenhouse and put it out in the field and he was like oh, okay sure i mean he really was like okay that, that'd be fun so what he didn't understand is like i used to like grow everything by seed and when seeds they multiply and then you spread them out and you put them in their little um trays and I ended up with 250 pepper plants, 450 tomato plants. Like we had so much food for three people. Like, you know, I mean, 450, I mean, we had so much. So I started putting it at the end of our lane. I mean, I was giving, I had a bushel of peppers every day. I was giving it away. I was selling it to restaurants. I mean, I did, I was a hustler. I was doing whatever it could just to make a dollar. And, and, um, Anyway, a friend of mine taught me how to can. And so Sarah would come over and we'd make all kinds of stuff, anything from soups to sauces to pickles. And that summer I put away 500 jars of food. Never again will I ever can that much in my life. But I loved it because I needed something to do. So long story short is she taught me how to make this mustard dip. And it's a jalapeno mustard. And it came from all the peppers in the garden. And we moved back to Lynchburg. Long story short, we come back to the Berg and a local cafe says, can we sell your mustard dip? And I was like, really? I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I was like, it's $10. I'll jar it for you this weekend. I was like, but I need to put a a label on it, you know? And I thought, oh, wait, I own this thing called Meanwhile Back on the Farm. So I like drew up this rooster, sent it to a friend. She helped me with the graphics. I literally ordered them from Vistaprint, put the label on and I delivered three cases of this mustard dip and got my first check. And, and then someone said, Oh, there's a pop-up it's called vintage Lynchburg downtown in like a month. Anyway, I contacted them and they said, Oh, I'm sorry. We're full. And I wrote them back and I said, dear, so-and-so please see attached of, um, booths that I have done in the past. I have been in the industry. I will not like my booth will look amazing. I will make sure that, um, you will be happy. Is there any chance you could just find me like five or 10 feet? I know it's in a parking garage. Can you squeeze me in please? Even though you already said no, I'll make sure that it'll be worth your (laughs) while. And they came back and they said, oh my gosh, yes, we'll like, we'll figure this out. And it was just like, okay, uh-oh, now what do I do? Like literally it was like, what am I doing? Like my husband was like, I was like, okay, Bobby, I was like, can you build me like, I need a farm table and I need it to be white. Like I'm very specific about like when I know what I want, like I got like, you know, I need it to have like the legs cross on the bottom, like all this stuff. And he was like, you have lost your mind. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to sell my mustard dip for $10 a jar. And it's so easy and everybody's going to buy it. And he said, you've lost your mind. You are a bag maker. And I said, not anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so he said, I will only build you this table if you make bags and you sell the bags. And I said, Bobby, like the show, this was like August, it was October the 5th. And it was in a month. And I said, Bobby. There's no way. I was like, I cannot order. I was like, if I did this, I was like, it would take me months because I got to work with a factory. I got to ship all the hardware. And I, all my leather comes from Italy, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, he's like, no, you can figure this out. And I was like, no, I can't. I was, and I said, this is not like a craft show. I was like, I am not a crafter. I was like, my bags are finished. You know, all this stuff. I was like, I've been in this industry. I am not doing this. This is not how you do it. This is, And I kept saying that to him. And he said, nope, nope. Nope. If you want your table, you better figure it out. So I, um, you know, I've been with some startups. I worked every aspect of it. So I think it was just all these stepping stones that when it came down to it, I was like, okay, you know, he's true. I can figure this out. So, um, all of our bags right now are lined with, Li- with Liberty of London lining, or most of them are. And that to me was a big deal when I was like, okay, I'm going to make just like a magazine tote. And I said to myself, like, it's Liberty of London because it has to be different. Cause you know, there's a lot of wax canvas bags out there. It has to be a Vachetta handle, um, wax canvas. And I said, I also thought, you know, it's gotta be affordable, like a one twenty five price point. And so, um, I called up an old tannery in the U S and they had, I think Louis Vuitton had just walked on them in like 2014, maybe, And I asked Matt and I was like, Matt, do you still have that rest? Like, can you still make that leather? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, can you get me a hide in one week? And he was like, what? And he's like, I actually might have some old hides around here that they didn't approve. And I was like, then send me one. And so he sent me a hide. I stripped it. I made my straps and then I made my logo and We borrowed his dad's furniture company, like their bottom floor is an upholstery floor. And we borrowed and we went down there on a weekend and we made 30 bags. And I set up this booth and people came by and people were like, how old's your brand? I was like, three weeks. And they were like, what? It looks like it's been around forever. And Bobby looked at me and he was like, I told you so. And I was like, oh no, here we go. So the brand was born out of a jar of mustard. And we still sell the mustard and we still make it. <laughs> I love that. So <laughs> I,
0: I was going to ask about to the mustard.
1: Okay. <laughs> so that's why there's a random thing of food on the website. Um, because honestly, it all started from a jar of mustard. And we still actually um, grow the peppers and, um, and it's made now like in a cannery um but i do go over there and i do help them do it and i go like twice a year and we make a few thousand jars and we sell it at our pop-ups and we sell it in our store and we ship it too so it's still around even though it's not my favorite thing to make anymore but (laughs) it's part of who we are i guess and how we started i love
0: though that you still (laughs) that you still have that as part of the story um yeah okay so you Made your first set of bags then and sold them at this market. Then at this point, you realize you have a business, that you can do this. So what were some of the next steps then to actually making this a business? Like at that point then, did you take that website that you had bought and add bags to it? Did you create social media? Did you add more markets uh, to your list? Like tell me about the steps to making this a business and launching it.
1: Okay. So... Um, that's a really good question because it honestly is like, they're all baby steps and they're all so important. So like I made an Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. I made a fake, uh, no, I didn't make a Facebook page for years. So I made an Instagram. I did not make a website because I was so like, I was so unsure that this, like, what am I doing? Cause literally my husband bought, ordered a sewing machine and he put it in our garage. And I was like, Bobby, I am not making bags out of a garage. Like, like. I'm just gonna have the old factory makeup and he's like, no, you should do this, Heather. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it anyway. He won and I started making bags out of my factory. I mean out of my out of my garage. Um, so this was that show was November 2015. I launched a website on February on my birthday, February 22nd, 2016. and and it's I will say that people that are growing their business, you launch your website and you're like, hey, and you call your sister and you're like, hey, um, can you make an order? Because something's wrong with my website. Like, like, nobody's ordering. And you just <laughs> wait, and you just wait. And, um, and so, you know, people would order, I'd push it out on Instagram, but it was so, our town was so supportive that I think maybe my background, because I had already been here for a while, I'd done bags my whole life, like they would text me or they'd see me in the grocery. Like, Hey, i would be like, Oh, I have a website. Oh no, no. Well, do you still have that yellow one? I saw on so-and-so I, I'll order that. And then I would hand, I would drive my bags around town and just leave them in a cute box and I would use the ribbon. I would try my calligraphy and my labels and I would leave them and I had orders all the time. Um, so I grew it like that. Um, I did a photo shoot for the website and honestly it was like, okay, what are the three? Like, you know, I didn't want it to be overwhelming and I wanted to do, so I thought of, okay, Okay. There's three styles. I did like a little makeup bag for $40 or a pouch. Um, and I did a beach bag and then the cl- we call it the classic tote. So we had three bags, but I did like seven colors in each. So it was like a yellow, um, Nantucket blue and some other colors. And we shot them and we launched the website and then I got on the road. And I was like six months pregnant with my second one. And I went like I used to, I like made a store list and I went all the way up to Maine and all the way back down. (laughs) And I got in, got ourselves into, um, Garnet Hill. So. Oh wow. That was So
0: that's yeah. interesting cuz I feel like a lot of people when they start the wholesale overwhelms them. But with your background it sounds like you kind of wanted to launch being able to sell wholesale to stores.
1: Yeah. Yep. So I um my whole background is in wholesale and I have to tell you it wholesale is hard. It is not my favorite. And when I launched this brand just from experience I knew I needed to do wholesale, um, but I didn't want it to be everything because I wanted to um have a customer. I wanted to know who my customer was, I wanted to work with my customer because when you work with leather and wax canvas, like it is honestly a touch and a feel, but also um not everybody can explain it to them. It's not like buying a dress, it is like a bag that's gonna wear in, like real, true, honest wonderful leather will scratch it wears in you get to rub it out like that's how it wears it will age gracefully for 10 20 years you know and you can pull it out again and wear it and it looks just as good so i also knew from a price point i wanted my bags to sell i didn't want them to sit around and get dusty so i knew i needed to have some kind of price point but if i went all wholesale my price point would have to be double which i think everybody would understand you know you sell it to a store at half off or what they call keystone. So I I went into it thinking, okay, I can afford to do 10 to 20% wholesale and maintain this price point. Um, and it won't hurt me. But if my whole company was wholesale, then I couldn't have this price point. Like my price points would have to go up. So um, I did, I and I also was about to have a baby and that's why I went on the road. And I honestly did trunk shows. I I was up in that area like after school and so a few of my friends like literally i pulled in with my car and i opened up my trunk to the tahoe and i would sell bags to friends that they and they would invite all their friends over and we would set up a table and we and i sold i sold every sample that i went up with on the way home to friends and their friends so it was just like you so it totally sounds just got you a, had
0: a good community yeah. too it sounds like
1: oh wonderful yes very supportive
0: very supportive.
1: So yeah, the first year was yeah, it was just like that. It was just hustling. It was meeting with people, meeting with stores, just trying to get into a few stores, and then just making bags.
0: That sounds awesome. I think your background definitely helped not only obviously having quality um, materials and putting together a quality product, but then also obviously how to get it out there in the world. So I'm curious now for people listening, how would you describe your brand today? Like what, what assortment of bags do you offer? Obviously you still have, um, your one food product on the website (laughs) and I'm curious, I saw that you guys recently purchased an old farmhouse, um, and had renovated that. And it's also a showroom. So tell me about your brand today. Um, so
1: um, I think the story of meanwhile um, has been written or like rewritten like season after season through our, t- like our timeless style. Um, we offer heritage pieces with um, leather that's made to last in that and in, in, to be passed on. Um, and that's what I, you know, I, I want people to buy our pieces um, and I want them to keep them or pass the bond to their family or their children. Um, we, so the collection is very classic and timeless. Like I said, it's a staple. And then, um, My husband works with me. I mean, it's a a woman-owned business, but he is the reason why it actually works because if it was still up to me, everything would be stacked up underneath the table. You couldn't be able to find anything. I would have leathers coming out of my ears. And so he's come up with all these, you know, how things are made and how the manufacturing process works. But, and I'm telling you this because every Friday we do a small batch. And this started because I have... Beautiful, wonderful contacts with all these tanneries all of the world. And when I launched this, they were so wonderful to me. They were like, "Heather, we heard. Oh, Heather, we heard. Oh, Heather, hey, I have five hundred square feet of this, and it looks just like you because I know that you love veg tan." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, send me all that." And then I would end up with all, I have all these archives of leather, and I'd be like, "But they're not on the website." And so I would make a bag, or two, or three, and I would post a a photo of it. And then my husband would call me and say, there are people at the shop. They're here to see some bag that you posted last night. I was like, oh, that was just for me. And he's like, okay, well, you got to stop doing that. And so like, I was like, okay, okay. But I can't stop doing that because I'm getting all these fun leathers. And that's what keeps me going is making new things all the time. And so um, a friend of mine who I used to work with in my old job She, since then, had had kids, worked from home, and I got in contact with her. And I was like, hey, uh, my husband is not doing well with me just, like, making things and posting it. Can you figure out how to organize me? And can we send out an email blast somehow every Friday or something? And it's just, like, a small batch. And she was like, oh, that's cool. Yes. So now every Friday it's organized. And you will get an email or we have a small batch tab on our website. And it's a new bag. Or a new leather on a style, and we make a handful of them. And when they're sold out, they're sold out, and we sell out almost every Friday. And sometimes we sell out in twenty minutes. Sometimes it's four hours. Like you never know. And so that is like things that are fresh and different. I'll make leathers just for small batch right now. So, oh, that's um, so cool.
0: And is that just local yeah. though, that people can get the small batch, or can you? No,
1: we ship online? all over country. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's online. But so you if upload you, them on Friday?
1: Yeah, we upload them at noon. And I normally send out like like a teaser on Friday. We also send out an email to the email list on Friday at noon. And that's um, wonderful because people can see it. And literally it changes every week. And that is like – You know, I look, I look back and I'm like, you know, all these stepping stones have prepared me for this because like, we honestly, Patricia, we will get in a leather on Tuesday that I've been waiting on for like a week or two, or God knows if I designed it in the fall and I forgot about it and just shows up and then they're like, what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah. So, uh, Luca made this for me and I totally forgot but i was trying to plan ahead guys <laughs> so literally we will get in a leather no joke on tuesday and i could cry about it cuz it's so exciting and this is why i love factories it's like in what we do is we will get something in on tuesday we will cut it wednesday we'll photograph it thursday and we sell it friday like you can't do that we are us made and that's what we do and it's so, so exciting and, and fun yeah. yeah. And like it, if you would have said to me back in 2012 or 13 when I was walking, you know, when I was leaving because I had a baby, if you had said, oh, you're going to have a bag factory and your husband's going to know how to engineer all the machines, he will do all the timing, he will organize you and you just get to create and run a factory. I've been like, um, what are you talking about? No way. There's no way because you don't, you know, factories are old. They're normally passed down to you. They like, you don't, you know, I would have loved to have started a factory at my old company, but I didn't have an engineer. I didn't know anybody who could fix machines and work machines, but like, that's what he does. And then he also makes all my patterns for me. I'll come up with a bag or design Like, we're working on fringe right now. And he's like, okay, prove to me that we're going to invest money in this new machine. And so last week, I was like, how many hours do I have? And he was like, two. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I'm really good when my back's against the wall. And I came up with three new styles that we'll add fringe to. And so now we're investing in that fringe machine. So I don't know exactly if that answered your question, but um, we – You mentioned, yes, we just restored a home from the 1700s here in Lynchburg. It's one of the oldest places here in the city. Um, And we, according to them here, all the girls at the shop, they're like, you're the one that converted it into a handbag factory. (laughs) So it is beautiful. (laughs) You get to come see us make things. That's why you might hear some banging here and there because it's all bench finished. But we cut, we make everything here, and we even have a little retail shop. And we're so supported. I mean, people come from – last weekend, people came from, like, Kentucky. Um, they come mm-hmm. from Charlotte. They come from everywhere. And they, like, make a weekend about it. I mean, a weekend around it. So
0: That's so cool and yeah. so unique and great that you have that following. So I'm curious then – What's been your best form of marketing? Like, how do you get these people from Charlotte? Has it been Instagram or has it been maybe that newsletter that you mentioned earlier? What's worked for you in terms of marketing? Um,
1: So I think it's Instagram. And I also want to say that we have done a lot of pop-ups and a lot of, um, you know, I didn't, like my old jobs were like wholesale and then like the coterie and the women's markets and the men's markets like that's kind of what I knew I never knew the market of like going to a junior league Christmas show and setting up tables and selling your bags and so I will tell you we do junior league we do garden club we do um if you have a group of girls and you want us to drive within three hours of we will show up and do a pop-up at your house Um, we do a lot of horse shows. Um, let me think we do like antique shows. I mean, and so what my, um, theory or what I've always told our girls, and we have a great group of girls that do pop-ups with us is if we did well at the show and we handed out cards and we paid for our way and we broke even, we will go back and you never know what happens when you go back or when you know you keep going and let me tell you those that's what's grown us is doing pop-ups and just getting people on board and it's amazing because when you go back to these shows they all are wearing your back still and they're bringing their friends or they're getting another bag Like I am so humbled. Like every day when I see orders come in or when I see people walk through the door downstairs in the shop and I'm like, these people are coming in to buy bags. Who would have thought? And I'm like, what? And I'm so, I know it, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I am so humble and so grateful for all the support and people. I mean, they show up. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: You definitely have a great community. Um, and I think that says a lot, obviously, about the quality of your bags um, and the fact that, you know, they're made right here. Like you mentioned, I think a lot of people love to support brands like that. Um, so that that's wonderful. Now, I'm curious, which is your best seller on your website for people who might want to go and buy their first Meanwhile, Back on the Farm uh, bag? And then what's your <laughs> personal favorite?
1: Okay, so our Best seller is our leather backpack 2.0. But don't be scared. It was a silly name. And that's another thing is like you start naming bags and sometimes you name them wrong. It should not have been named a backpack 2.0. It should have been named a crossbody and then we throw the backpack straps inside your bag in case you ever want to use them. Because so many people were like, I don't wear a backpack. I'm like, oh, but you might. Just take the straps because then you'll <laughs> throw it on. So basically it is you can wear this bag um as a crossbody bag and or hand tote or throw your backpack straps on and wear it into target and your hands free or if you have kids that's our biggest seller um it does come in wax canvas or it comes in leather um and we do a lot of those on small batch too just because it's our biggest seller on Fridays um another big seller but also my one of my favorites is this little envelope clutch that we do And it does come with, like, a skinny leather strap. And then you can buy this fun, like, webbing strap. We offer 12 or 13 different colors. And you um, wear it shorter. And it's kind of very sporty. Um, It kind of, like, tucks above your hip. And you kind of can wear it in the front. And it holds your phone, your keys, your cards. And it's just kind of right there in front of you. And that's um, one of – another big seller, but it's one of my favorite bags. So – um, and we also offer those in a ton of different colors, too. So,
0: Oh, I love the versatility of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've actually that little envelope, um, just to give you guys a few other ideas, you can take the strap off and tie a scarf to either end of the D-rings on it and throw it on your shoulder like you're wearing a dress, wrap it around your waist, and then you're hands free and you got this cute little scarf on your waist with your tiny little bag hanging off of it. So you can dress it up, too.
0: So fun. Now, who would be your dream person to either collaborate with or um, carry one of your bags?
1: Oh, gosh. Um,
0: <laughs> it could be a celebrity, a royal, maybe an influencer. I think it um,
1: – well, if Princess Di was here, obviously her. I just – she was yeah. so I, – I like – have every book about her every picture of every dress that's how I like made all my formal dresses when I was young so I think I would probably Kate I mean I know that's such a reach but probably Kate Middleton I love that that's a great
0: answer and I also loved because you mentioned the dress Princess Diana's dress so I think that ties it all back together
1: yeah And I I love Kate's style. I think she's classic. She's timeless. And I think it would be fitting, um, you know, with her jacket and her Dewberry boots and all that.
0: So, what's next for you guys? I know obviously you just took on this huge renovation project and just finished that. Um, but is there anything else? Any sneak peeks, or whether it's a new bag design, or a new uh, leather fabric, um, or maybe a show that you guys are doing coming up?
1: Um, I think what's next is um, we actually are um, launching our new spring line here in the next probably six weeks. Um and I don't follow a lot of trends. Um but I do go with my gut, and I will say that we are bringing in a lot of leather color, like pops of color. So I went towards lamb. Lamb is smaller hides. It's shrunk, and I and we shrunk it. So there's a lot of highs and lows in the leather, and it's absolutely like butter. So we have a new bag called the Sling Bag. It does zip, has a back pocket, um, and it's about like, I don't, it's like the size, it's like maybe 10 by 9. Uh, but you can take the strap off and just wear it as a clutch and go out. So that is what I'm excited for. And we are bringing in like um, a hot pink, a, a tangerine, an aqua, a citrus. I mean, colors that are so beautiful. And then when you see them in leather and you see like the the texture and the and, and these uh, these valleys in this leather and the highs and lows, it is just gorgeous. So that's, I'm excited for Oh my for that. gosh.
0: that pink has my name all over it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, and we, you know, and, and I haven't really talked about, and I won't talk too much, but, um, we have, I think, um, a handful of the 10, 12 employees. And, um, we have such a, like such a neat group of girls, Um, And we do have um, Trent who works for us too, but we all get along. And I just like, when we work on things like this or I work on it, like I bring them in and I'm like, Hey guys, here's the color card. There's 40 colors on this display right here. Okay. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Okay. Why is that your favorite? Are you sure you don't want that? Like I bring everybody into it because this whole company, the only reason why we're doing what we're doing is because we all are part of it and we all love it.
0: So um, kudos to them. That's amazing. That's great that you have um, your amazing team with you. And it, it all seems so fun from Instagram. I'm sh- I know it's obviously hard work too, but it seems oh, like- Oh, it's so
1: fun uh, though. And I'm not, it's not <laughs> lying. I mean, I can tell you like, you know, if, you know, years ago, I remember like manifesting or like being like, when I grow up, I want to live on a farm and I want to ride horses and I want to have kids. And I don't know if I'll be- Creative or not, but like it's it's here, and I'm so grateful and blessed, and um, I just can't thank everybody who's been a part of it. So,
0: <laughs> so speaking of Instagram, my last question is: Where can people find you for listeners who might not be familiar and want to go follow you on social media or go and shop your bags? Let them know social media handles and website URLs. Um, it's meanwhile back on the farm,
1: and it's. Um, that's Instagram and then it's com for the website and Facebook. Um, we do post a lot of stories so that our customers can see behind the scenes and see us making things. That's perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Heather. Well, thank you for having me. This has been really fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.